You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Welcome to the Get Ready for the Future show for the week around August 16th, 2023, helping people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. Glad to have you along. I'm Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury with us today, taking your questions as always on the show. But before, John, we dive into that, we want to tell people again about a special uh, night coming up next week. This will be the last chance you have to get registered for it, but we're going to have our first question. In fact, it's going to be about the uh, the economy and the markets, and we know it's always on people's mind when it comes to true financial independence. A mark, The stock market is a key instrument in building wealth uh, for your independence. The economy's kind of been all over the place in the last year and a half, and we're going to try to straighten some of that out, provide some clarity with Dr. Jeffrey Roach, who is the chief economist for LPL Financial. Yeah, I had, uh, I've been doing some traveling over the last couple of weeks, and one of the travels was out to San Diego for LPL's national convention uh, and had a chance to visit with Dr. Roach, and he is very excited about coming to Little Rock. He's very excited to talk about what's going on with the economy and the markets and all of that, and you have the opportunity to be the beneficiary of that knowledge and that input as we kick off what's up with the economy. Mm-hmm. It is coming up on Tuesday, August 22nd at 6.30, and it's going to be at the Chanel Event Center. All you have to do is to register to attend. No cost, no nothing, GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash economy, or you can call us at our toll-free number, 866-653-7526. That's 866-653-PLAN. And Dr. Roach is ready to roll. And we know uh, capacity is close to being reached on that. Yes. We've just got a few seats left. And again, no charge to do it. Uh, We're going to actually record our Get Ready for the Future show. So if you don't have a chance to attend for some reason, you will be able to hear a lot of what the Q&A is on that evening in the uh, in a future Get Ready for the Future episode. So that'll be fun, too. Yeah, uh, we're going to have a great time that night. Uh, be great to connect with a lot of folks that uh, we haven't seen in a while. You know, we've we've had to go offline with the, the workshops and the, the uh, things that we do live now we're getting back into that, and I, I love you know face-to-face contact with folks, being able to uh, answer their questions, get their knowledge level up so they make smart decisions with their money. Yeah, and as we dive into the questions today, John, there are going to be some pretty complex ones. We've got some pretty detailed, yeah. uh, complex questions coming on today's show, and as we dive in, just generally speaking, I think it's important to set the tone here with everything that we offer in response to these questions is centered around reaching true financial independence. There's That's a, right. There's a lot of levers people can pull with money and with their finances, but we believe the goal for everyone in life should be to reach true financial independence. That, that really is where everybody wants to be. You can get distracted by a lot of things. You can get your mind thinking that, oh, if I focus on this one thing, that's the thing that's going to trip me into uh, securing financial independence. But that's really not the case. And so we're going to try to be sure that people are on track with the things that they're doing and, and thinking about things in the right way. Yeah. So what does it mean to you, true financial independence? Well, it means 
being able to sustain your income and your lifestyle without having to have a paycheck, creating a paycheck with your assets. And that can be done in multiple different ways. As we dive in, keep that in mind. Ashton from Bryant is our first question today. And I'm going to have to say he or she writes because I don't know it. Yeah, it could go either way. I've got a daughter named Ashton, so forgive me if, uh, if, if we don't know the sex of our writer of our question, I should say. Currently, I'm trying to be smart and frugal with my money. I'm in the green 43% over the last 15 months, and I've accumulated over $700,000 in profit from DCAing into stocks, ETFs, dividends, and futures. However, I've been in the red for a month now. I work hard for my money, so investing is making me a nervous, sad wreck. Should I sell everything? Should I sell something? Should I just sit and wait? We told you it's going to be complex today. So, wow, first of all, green in the green 43% over the last 15 months, that's been quite a ride. I mean, the market, the S&P 500 is up uh, double digits, not 43% by any means, but it's been a good uh, takeoff point from the where we ended the year in 2022. And if you were in stocks and ETFs and dividends, there's certainly some uh, profits to be made. But she says, or he says, that investing is making uh, making that person a nervous, sad wreck. I mean, you think about yeah. all the stress that goes along with that. But let's kind of zero in on your thoughts there, John, about all all that's going on with Ashton. Well, first of all, congratulations on yeah. being up forty three percent over the last fifteen months. But now you say you're in the red. I don't. I'm not sure if that's in the red just in that month or if you're back down in the red because one of the things that Ashton says that they're investing in is futures, and that can be very volatile. Uh, Scott, I think the the key question here is you've told us, Ashton, where you are in your account, but where are you financially? That's the much bigger question here. And I think that if you focus on that, do you have the basics under control? Are you doing the things that are necessary for you to build that firm foundation? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have a strategy that you're putting money away in the proper way for retirement? Do you have enough life insurance? All of the basic foundational things are are in question uh, from your question because it, clearly you can have a situation where you're doing great in an account, but if you have the volatility that you've talked about being in the red for the last month, then that could be a problem. And Scott, I think this is very symptomatic of where people get to when they swing for the fences mm -hmm. in investing and don't really take a... Uh, a complex and a, and a more comprehensive approach to looking at their finances. Yeah, interesting you use the term swing for the fences because that's really a, a, in basically alluding to the risk level that, that's right. that, that Ashton is taking here. And, and she, she or he has already uh, mentioned that it's making them a nervous, sad wreck. But when you think of the baseball analogy of swinging for the fences, you're trying to hit a home run, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what Ashton's trying to do with her, with her or his investments is hit the home run. But you think about even in baseball, Major League Baseball, the best hitters in history, Hall of Famers, who hit lots of home runs, they also struck out a lot. A couple of examples. Roger Maris had the single-season home run record at one point. It was broken by Mark McGuire in the late 90s. But in 1961, Roger Maris hit 61 home runs and was for the next 50 years almost, 40 years, I guess, uh, was – a household name because of that, right? He was a home he, run king. Yeah, the home run king in a single season. Now, he, he, otherwise, his name was not really all that relatively known, but for hitting those 61, 
he was known as the home run king. But he also, in that same year that he hit 61 home runs, struck out 67 times, right? So he struck out more than he cleared the fences. And another example, real quick, Babe Ruth in 1927. Everybody knows who Babe Ruth is. He hit 60 home runs that year, which is at that time was the, uh, after Maris, was the second most in a single season. And he struck out 89 times. So when you swing for the fences, that's the risk level that you're at. You can hit a home run, and it looks like for a short time Ashton has, but you could also strike out. Yeah, and Ashton asked about, you know, should I sell something? Should I uh, sit and wait? Should I? What you should do is you should have a plan. Clearly, you've got to have a plan for what you're doing. Otherwise, you're being very reactive as opposed to being very proactive in what you're doing as far as your finances are concerned. Ashton mentions DCAing into stocks, dollar cost averaging into stocks. We're huge fans of dollar cost averaging. But one of the tenets of dollar cost averaging is that what you've got to do is you've got to stick with it when you have low points in the market. Now, we're not necessarily at a low point in the market. We have had a little bit of a pullback from the, the heat that we got in the spring and the summer from the market, but uh, that is fairly much to be expected after a big run-up, and we did have a nice run-up in the market. But I think Ashton is really asking the wrong questions. I think the question that, that we would ask is, what is the purpose of your money? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? You know, having a 43% return over the last 15 months, that feels good. That feels great. And that's something to be proud of. But what does that get you? And if you can't hold on to that because of the volatility that you're engaged in, yeah. then you really are just playing a game as opposed to really making progress with your personal finance. Yeah. One more analogy as we wrap up on this question, John. I think if you want to be truly financial independent, it is a crockpot, not a microwave that will get you there. Absolutely. You know, strategy is not something that's that's sexy you know it's sexy to, to take a look at oh man look at that return on that stock and that thing is flying and that gets your your blood pumping and your and your adrenaline going and all of that that's not the way to financial independence having a plan having a strategy and being very systematic and very very methodical in what you're doing that's how you get to financial independence. If you've got questions for the Get Ready for the Future show, you can call them in, leave a voicemail, or shoot us a text. Either way, it goes to the same number, 501-381-5228. It's 501-381-5228 to hear your questions answered on the air. If you'd rather send them with an email, you can do that too. Just write us a question and send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Next up, it's Sebastian from Bentonville, and he writes, My wife, 45, and I, 50, have a 12-year-old child and no consumer debts. Should we sell rental properties with $150,000 in total equity to pay down our primary residence with, with a $250,000 balance? We are saving 15% to retirement and maxing Roth contributions each year. A well, way to go, Sebastian, for saving a, signif a significant amount of your uh, earnings in retire for retirement and maxing out those Roth contributions each year. We'd say that's a really good rate. Maybe enough, maybe not. That's one of the things I would say from this question is, are you on track for retirement? How do you know that 15% and maxing out Roth is going to get you there? Because you need to have a plan in place to know how much you need to have saved by the time you retire. But let's focus in on the rental question here. 
Yeah. So let's let's first of all, I think that the real key here is whether or not that rental property is generating net income to Sebastian uh, or are they having to pay a lot of debt on that rental property? I know there's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in equity there, but but is it really moving the needle? Uh, are you really getting a lot of cash flow or will you in the future get a lot of cash flow from that? And then I think you also have to ask, you know, what is the purpose of the rental income? Is it for retirement income? Scott, that can be really a, a very good thing for some people. For some people, it can be a real albatross because they they think, okay, well, rental property, it's easy. You know, I just have to, to collect the rent, and, and but that's not really the story. And yeah. in most cases, if you only have one rental property, that's really not going to drive an income stream for you to any great extent in retirement, you've got to have a portfolio. And then it's almost like running a business and you need maintenance people and all that type of thing. And then you've got to do the collections and, and all of that. So I think that there's some question there as to the validity of that one piece of property being influential in the future income of Sebastian, as far as retirement is concerned. But now let's also talk about financial independence because financial independence really does go toward being able to, yes, have a, a stream of income coming in to support all of your needs in, in terms of your lifestyle, but it also means that you are debt-free mm-hmm. and not being obligated and having to divert some of that income to pay for debt. And so rentals may or may not move the needle in a great way, but not having a house payment really does move that needle and if you can pay down your house, then we would be a huge advocate of that strategy uh, just as it stands. Yeah, because we talked a little bit about um, at the beginning of the question here, how do you know if saving 15% for retirement is enough yep. and maxing out Roth is enough? That's That comes back to your income needs in retirement. And, and we have a couple here that's 45 and 50. We don't know when their retirement goal is, but let's say it's 60 years old and 55 years old. That would be an early retirement, but it would really certainly benefit them to consider paying off their mortgage and being able over the next 10 years to enter retirement with zero debt because in retirement, financial independence always comes down to your income. Can you sustain your lifestyle with an income from your investments? And if you don't have a mortgage, you obviously have less expenses, which means you'll have more for your lifestyle. Uh, in retirement. So I think that's a really big point, John, that if, that if that's the goal here, which we talked about at the beginning of our show, if you're reaching true financial independence, that's your goal, then not having a mortgage is a big, big jump in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott, I want to go back to this 15% thing because 15% is is kind of a rule of thumb. Here, a lot of people talk about saving mm-hmm. 15% of your income. I call it a rule of dumb, and I and I don't mean that to to denigrate anything, but it's really just dumb to say I'm going to follow this rule of thumb, not knowing where it's going to take me. Yes, it will be a good level of of saving and investment, but the question is not did you follow the rule? That doesn't do anything for you when you get to retirement. Where you want to be in retirement is ready to produce the income that will allow you to be financially independent. And that may or may not be 15%. It might be 10%. It might be 12. It might be 20. You don't know until you actually do the plan, you do the math, you work through the scenarios with someone who's very adept at doing that, then you will have a plan. Following a rule of thumb may or may not get you there. 
If you'd like to take the first step in building that plan for your financial independence, we'll tell you that you can reach out to us here uh, at GenWealth and sit down with an advisor by calling 866-653-PLAN, 866-653-7526. That first appointment is completely complimentary, so there's no cost to sit down with an advisor and just talk about Some of the questions that may be on your mind, like Sebastian, or if you have a million other questions, we're there to talk to you, set your goals in place, and determine if it makes sense to move forward with a relationship uh, with a GenWealth Financial Advisor. And it's all about the plan first, and then the investment strategy comes after the plan is built. One other note on Sebastian, too, I will say if you're thinking about doing that and selling those rental properties, from a housing market perspective, it's probably a pretty good time to consider that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so moving on, our next question is from Nate. Nate's in Little Rock, and he writes, My pension is offering me the opportunity to purchase additional years of service, accelerating my retirement. Should I stop putting money in my 401k plan to fund this purchase, or should I transfer part of my existing balance in my 401k to my pension to make it happen? Nate, thanks very much. Pension's a big part of your retirement income again being financially independent, and it sounds like Nate's already got a pension and now has an opportunity. We probably might need to define some of what he's saying there, too, for people who are not really, uh, not really uh, don't understand that uh, uh, vernacular, I guess, when it comes to pensions. But purchase additional years of service. You find this oftentimes in the public realm when uh, someone, uh, let's say, is a law enforcement officer and they move from one type of agency to another Sometimes there's a connection between those pension right. plans and they're, they're allowed to buy extra years from their old uh, employer in their new employer. Sometimes military, I think, maybe yep. even offers there, that. There's lots of options there, Scott. And, and understanding the rules of the pension are, are paramount yeah. here. Uh, you really, these are very, very complex rules. You do not want to go this alone. You definitely want to talk to a pension counselor. They usually, most pensions usually have a counselor that can be sure that you navigate through that. You also want to take into account what your financial advisor says about this because there are a lot of options with pensions. Additional years of service may or may not accelerate your retirement date. Uh, I don't know that you would get an early retirement out of it because most pensions have a minimum retirement age, usually at 65, before they will start paying you out. Because think about what a pension actually is. A pension is just a big bowl of money, and they have to think about how long will we have to pay someone to uh, during that time. And so there is an actuarial calculation, and what that means is they just look at the age and the health of the group of people that are involved there, and that's how they calculate the funding of that pension. But they're not going to let somebody retire early and draw the same amount of money. If you retire early, you're going to take a reduced benefit that might not be in your best interest. But what could be happening here is the additional years can increase your pension amount, the monthly amount that you draw from the pension. But most pensions have a minimum retirement age, as I said, usually about 65. So don't think that this is going to accelerate the time that you have as far as uh, getting to retirement is concerned. What uh, will the lump sum actually buy in terms of pension payments? That's a big question here. Mm-hmm. Is does is it worth what you're putting into it? Yeah, I think uh, I think of the phrase, uh, the old saying, "You rob Peter to pay Paul." Right. I mean, right. if you're going to potentially take away from your 
retirement savings to bolster your retirement pension payment, there's a lot of math that has to go on right there. Is it going to be worth it? And I think in general, there are some restrictions. When I think of a pension, I mean, it's a great thing. It's great to have additional guaranteed income. There is no question that of the clients that we work with, if we see someone who has a pension in addition to a social security check, that they're not going to need as much as much in the way of retirement savings and investable assets to layer on top of that to be able to be financially independent because they have more guaranteed income. So we love pensions from that standpoint, but there are some restrictions when you think about it. They're limited because it is a check, John. And, and in most cases, uh, if you retire and start receiving that check and in the second month die in a car accident, there's nothing left. That's right. That, that it, Or it could go to your spouse, and when the spouse dies, there's nothing right. left. There's a lot of variance uh, in that, but it usually only spans at the very most the husband and wife or the, the two people in the marriage. And so if you're looking at this from a standpoint of how can I maximize the utilization of my money, you may think about not doing this and keeping that money in the 401k plan because a lot of people value the liquidity that a 401k plan has versus the set amount of pension money. As we said, a pension is a paycheck. It is not a lump sum unless there is a lump sum option. And if there's a lump sum option, then there's no pension option. And so there is a, a careful dance that I think Nate needs to do in this. He needs some help. He needs some help from the pension organization. He also needs some help from his financial advisors so they can plan a strategy around whatever this decision might need to be. And I think I would let that drive my decision on this as opposed to any other factor. Yeah, and another factor on the pension, too, is we don't know what type of pension this is. Does it offer uh, cost-of-living adjustments, right? Sometimes that pension payment's going to be flat for the remainder of your life, which means your first check is your best check and your worst check. But some pensions do offer a cost-of-living adjustment. Back to the financial advisor part of that, John, you talked about building a, a plan or working with a financial advisor to determine what the right decision here is. When you think about uh, the pension question in a vacuum you it's really not the whole story you do have to look at social security do you have an annuity what other sources of guaranteed income do you have and is that going to be enough to pay your expenses in retirement and the other thing too i would say too on the 401k part we're he's asking should he transfer part of his existing balance to the pension to make it happen we don't know if that can be done with out a tax consequence. It might be able to, but yeah. you don't know that. Yeah, all of those things are, are definitely things that you want to talk to the pension counselor about. You want to do all the research. You want to have all the information on the table, then make a good decision about it and not just do a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, I think that's going to be a good thing because it's going to boost up my my monthly payment. Before we get to our last question, want to remind you again about our evening with Jeffrey Roach coming up. If you find yourself asking what's up with the economy, and we've been asking that ourselves around here, right? Which way is it going to go? We've got rising interest rates potentially now over, uh, but we don't know that. There's mixed messages coming from the Fed about what their next move will be. Inflation seems to be tamed and under control, around 3% in the last uh, report of that. Unemployment still low. People have jobs, but credit card debt is soaring. What? Are we going to have a recession or are we not? There's a lot to talk about here, and we're going to talk it all over with Jeffrey Roach, who is the chief economist at the country's largest independent broker-dealer. That's LPL Financial, uh, our broker-dealer, in fact, at GenWealth. Uh, Dr. Roach has been on CNBC, Fox Business, and U.S. News. 
He's going to be with us in Little Rock at the Chanel event venue on Tuesday, August 22nd at 6.30, and we invite you to join us. And bring your questions. It's a Q&A event. The event is free, but seating is limited. So if you want to reserve your seat, we recommend you do it soon because we are very quickly reaching capacity on this event. You can do it by calling 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. Or you can visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash economy to reserve your seat. You know, Jeffrey Roach was the chief economist at Visa. He's now the Mm -hmm. chief economist at LPO Financial. He's been on all these shows. You know what he hasn't done? What's that? Been to Little Rock. He hasn't. Not been to Little Rock. He told me when we were in San Diego together that he has never been to Little Rock. He's excited to come. So I'm hopeful that we have a great crowd uh, for Dr. Roach. We do. We are going to have a great crowd. We just have a few seats left. So as you're listening to this show today, go ahead and make the call. 866-653-7526 or go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy and register there for your opportunity to hear Dr. Jeffrey Roach with what's up with the economy. Time for our final question on the show today. This one comes to us from Melina in Fayetteville. I have a Roth 401k through my work and my employer offers a 3% match. I've been putting in enough money to get my match, but the fees are kind of high. 1.18% in parentheses there. Would it be better for me to get my match and then put the rest of my extra money in a brokerage account? Okay, Melina, thank you very much. We're glad that you're saving. We're glad that you have a Roth 401k component. We say oftentimes on this show, the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k is oftentimes the most underutilized uh, type of investment account there is, and it has great flexibility. We love it. So we're glad you're putting in But we're considering here, Melina is considering, uh, maybe not putting in a whole lot because of fees. So let's kind of dive into that, Uh, the fees on the account, and and is that important, John? Well, I don't think you should ever, ever make a decision solely on the basis of fees. Now, obviously, you don't want to jump into something that has exorbitant fees into it, and, and we would not necessarily recommend that. But Melina quotes this as 1.18%. Scott, I don't know that 1.18 versus something else, 0.58, there is a cost to every investment. Let me say it that way. And I don't know that that's going to dramatically impact the outcome of your retirement as much as you may be going and putting this money in a brokerage account, subjecting Mm -hmm. the money to taxes because you're talking about an after-tax contribution. You're also talking about an after-tax contribution to the Roth. But here's the difference. The capital gains or the dividends that are paid on that brokerage account are taxable to you every year. The money that will come to you from the Roth 401k is 100% tax-free. Now, in retirement, that also makes a big difference because it affects how much of your social security is taxable. And that's a complex uh, thought process, but just understand this simple equation. The more tax-free income you have from a Roth IRA, the less likely your social security is subject to uh, a a tax on uh, as much as 85% of your social security amount. So you, uh, we love the Roth IRA for that equation. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing, Scott, I know how human nature is. And if you have this money in a non-qualified brokerage account, 
you're, despite your best intentions, it's very likely that you're going to reach over and dip into that money at some point in time yep. for some need that's going to come up because we know life happens. And Melina doesn't tell us her age, right. but if she's got a long time to go, then that just means clearly that there's a lot of time there for something to come up, cause her to go and reach and grab that money out of that brokerage account and then negatively affect the outcome that she's got in retirement. Yeah, bottom line here is the advantages of putting money into a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA far outweigh any 1.18% fee that Melina's talking about here. So I would put it in there. And you think about the amount you can get in there. She's kind of focused on the match. The employer offers a 3% match, and you certainly want to put in enough to get that. But if you have above and beyond the means, the margin in uh, your income between your income and expenses, I would get more in there. I mean, you can put up to, if Melina's not 50 yet, $22,500 into the Roth 401k. And oh, by the way, if you don't make too much money, because there is an ineligibility income uh, amount as well to put into a Roth IRA, you can do both, right? You can put maximum amount into a Roth 401k, $22,500 uh, in 2023 if you uh, are 50 or are under 50, but you can also put another $6,500 in your Roth IRA. That's a lot of money growing tax-free, withdrawn tax-free for your retirement. Now, on the other side of that, John, we don't want to totally discount the brokerage account. We love having a brokerage account in place if you have above and beyond, right? If, you, if you're maxing out your Roth right. 401k, you're maxing out your Roth IRA, and you want to retire early, you definitely need to be thinking about some non-qualified money. If you have an intermediate uh, financial goal, like putting a down payment on a house or buying an RV, that's a great place to build some wealth there, too, in a non-qualified account. Let me speak to the fee thing one more time, Scott. Uh, it sounds like that that might be a fee on the fund that mm -hmm. e that Melina might be investing in in the 401k. I just encourage her to look at the other options in the 401k, see if there are lower yeah. fees and make sure it, it meets your investment objective. But you have that option. You also have the option of lobbying your employer for getting a cheaper 401k plan, uh, you know, and just yeah. say, hey, look, uh, you ought to take a look at this. And if you need some help with that, we actually can help in that area here at Gen Wealth as well. Yeah. So you think about all of these questions today, and John, they were, I, th I think we delivered when we said at the beginning that they were going to be complex. They were very specific, but they were all kind of in a in a vacuum, right? All of our questions today kind of came to us in very specific, I'm doing this, should I do something different? And the reality is, and you're going to hear this week in and week out on the Get Ready for the Future show, you can't make a financial decision in a vacuum. We have to look at it from a holistic perspective, and that comes down to what are your goals, what, are, what is your purpose? And we said at the beginning of our show today, your purpose should be to discover, protect, and share true financial independence. Scott, I don't know that there's ever been a time, and I've been in this industry for over 30 years, I don't know that there's ever been a time that we've had more opportunity for distraction. Information is so readily available. Information doesn't necessarily mean proper application. Information without context can be dangerous. And, and really and truly, it's really easy for people to be swayed by what they hear here or what they hear there or whatever the case may be. But the real bottom line is that you've got to be very methodical, very careful about what you're doing from a strategy standpoint, have a strategy, 
stick to that strategy, hang with it, even when things look like that they're not going to work out. Uh, because that actually, uh, with a good strategy, that's actually been taken into account. When we plan here at GenWealth, we know the markets are going to perform well sometimes and not so well sometimes. And our strategy takes that into account. And we try to help people to hold the line with their strategy, despite what may be going on in the economy, the markets, their world, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Your investment strategy can't be, this is my strategy during the bull market, and this is my strategy during the bear market, and they're different. The yes. strategy has to be an all-weather approach that gets you to true financial independence. And we've seen the market shoot straight up, right? It can be really easy. And and all of these people are doing some great things. All of the folks that send us questions are doing some great things, right? The DCAing, the 15%, the Roth 401k. That's great that you're contributing to your retirement. And it can look like it can be pretty easy when the market's shooting straight up. But what happens when it goes down is your strategy prepared for the bear market, for the bad times as well. Our thanks to Nate Melina, Ashton, and Sebastian for your questions. If you've got a question for us, you can get them to us by calling 501-381-5228. You can leave a voicemail, or you can shoot us a text, or you can also send us an email to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Time for final thoughts, John. Scott, I want to really emphasize that if you have not downloaded our seven steps to building a sustainable life after work and securing financial independence, you need to do that. You need to go to our website and search that out and find Securing Financial Independence, Seven Steps to Building a Sustainable Life After Work. This is a very high-level guide to help you understand what we've been talking about on the show today. When we talk about all of these things are good, but it's really not the thing you need to be focused on, the seven steps are the things that you need to be focused on. That helps you to create a strategy and a plan to build and and realize and then protect and then pass on the financial independence that you're able to achieve. And so I think, Scott, that, that clearly it's easy to get distracted, but being focused on the strategy as opposed to the tactics yeah. is the real issue from these questions. I think my final thought is one final push to join us for an evening with Jeffrey Roach, the chief economist at LPL Financial, featured on CNBC, Fox Business, U.S. News. He's going to be talking through his outlook on the markets and answering your questions. We'll also be recording our weekly podcast live. To do that, it's happening Tuesday, August 22nd at 6.30 at the Chanel Event Venue. It's free, but to register and save your seat, call us at 866-653-7526 or visit getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy. And that's all the time we have for this week's show. We thank you again for joining us. If you want to get those questions to us, you can do it, 501-381-5228. Leave a voicemail or shoot us a text or email show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. 
And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LP. PL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.